Infirmary Media. Start. Poop culture. Yeah, yeah, poop culture. Poop, 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 poop culture. Yeah, it's the poop culture. Poop, poop culture. People engage to stop a jewel in decades. The Matrix and Blade versus Bloodsport and Renegade. Strap on that cap, bust out the power glove. Come fight for what you love. Jewel in decades. Who culture popping pins, dropping hand grenades. Van Halen locked in Mortal Kombat with David Gray. Found out ballet in sick. I am made of GNR. Come fight for what you love. Jewel in decades. Broadcasting from the Bio Bidet Studios, where water does it better. Greetings, Retro Warriors, and welcome to another episode of Dueling Decades, the totally awesome retro game show where we make the 80s and 90s fight it out as we debate these two dope decades. On this special episode of our game, our very own mega powers explode as the Mamelukes face each other for the very first time in a one-on-one action movie duel. I am Mark James, and I will be battling tonight with Action of 1995. And in the other corner, representing the action movies of 1985. That would be me, I guess. <laughs> Rick Man Crush. And as always here on our show, we need someone to hold down Law & Order. As a special guest referee for this episode is the man who might be the most polite judge we may ever have on our show. Put your hands together, the host of Miscast Commentary, Judge Joe Finley. Hey, everybody. Thank you guys so much for having me. And you say the mega powers explode. I feel a little bit like Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> Except you don't have to give anybody head on this episode. Well, I don't have to, but. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Well, the rules of our game, they're pretty simple. A coin flip will decide who goes first. The winning team will decide the topic of each round out of the five dueling decades categories. Those being movies, TV, music, news, and of course, hot products. Although tonight's theme of action movies will be applied to all of the categories. The first three rounds are worth one point each, with rounds four and five worth two points apiece. The judge's ruling will determine who wins each round, and the person with the highest overall score after five rounds will be the victor. Gentlemen, let's play some Dueling Decades. Let's do it. Let's do this coin toss. Well, I've gone very high tech for you. I have uh, acquired a coin flip app because I don't carry change on me. So we have it. I have an American penny here for you, which is worth 32 Canadian dollars. So. (laughs) 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 All right. Who who wants to call this bad boy? Uh, Let's go to Mark because Mark uh, gave me 85. So let him flip. All right. Wonderful. Call it on the screen instead of in the air. You get it. Go. All right. Colin Tails. It is Tails. You've got the call, baby. All right. Let's see. Where can we start out? You know what? Let's start out with hot products. That's a category we never start off with on this show. Right. Scary product. Let's hear about it. All right. So for my first hot product of 1995 is going to be the Power Rangers toys from Bandai. They were put out in conjunction with the Power Rangers movie that was released that year. The movie came out on June 30th, 1995. And in doing some research for this, I found some pretty interesting articles. One that was dated Saturday, uh, March 25th of 95. So just before the movie released. And it's talking about how street sharks may overtake Power Rangers as the new hot toy and that it predicts that the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers line, although it has top sales for the last two years, it does predict that in this article it will be seeing its near end. But of course we know that was wrong, because once that movie came out, it did increase toy sales and became one of the top selling toy lines of that year. Only to be outdone by what I have for my second entry for Hut Products, and that is in 1995, A movie was released called Batman Forever, featuring Val Kilmer as the Dark Knight, and they put out a toy line for that movie 
featuring Val Kilmer as Batman. They were all new sculpts of the Batman figures. The previous Batman lines kind of used the same molds. So for this one, they did all new sculptures of the figures, and they were really characters that represented what their movie likenesses were. Um, Target eventually released their own series of exclusive Batman Forever action figures as well, and that they were just really re repainted from the original line, but it was the original one that came out, the Batman Forever. It was the only way you could get Val Kilmer as an action figure at the time, dressed as Batman, the official line. Forever. What? <laughs> I was going to say, or ever, or but <laughs> nah, it's the... I think he did have one for Willow. Yeah, the Matt Mardigan so. figure. That's what I was going to say. It was the only other one other than the Matt Mardigan figure, but psh, good luck finding that thing. So Batman Forever action figures overtaking the other previous leader, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Tories from 1995. All right. That's what I got for Hut Products. Not too, not too bad. All right. Well, definitely made their way to uh, licensing in 1995, I see. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> In 1985, you want to talk about toys, we'll begin there, and we'll start with American Ninja Toys. Ooh. So we're not talking American or Power Rangers, we're not talking Batman, but leave it to the cousins of Golan and Globus <laughs> to market American Ninja action figures to kids by licensing to a shitty toy company called Fleetwood and having them rush out a line of American Ninja Toys along with a blow dart target set. Some kind of weird Halloween mask, a uh, mini ninja blade, and suction cup throwing star, and of course, the generic ninja figure with player card, which had Joe across it. Now, of course, his name was Joe Armstrong, but everyone knows Mr. Dudikoff as just Joe, <laughs> and uh, that came out in 1985. But if you look up these things today, and the reason I put them on here. If you look on eBay, these go for like four or five hundred dollars to try to find these. They're they're pretty rare. Four or five. And like I said, it was dumb. <laughs> four or five hundred. Oh, okay. That sounds a little better there. The common stuff, like Batman and stuff like that, that was around and everybody bought it. Those ones you can find for five dollars on the, on eBay, but these ones were a little bit more rare. Four or five hundred bucks, you can get your very own Joe toy. Uh, which is actually pretty cool. Or you could go to the Dollar Tree and pick up your own replica of it for a dollar because they still oh, get the fuck they've not they've knocked no, that not with, toy not off with so this. many times. Oh yeah, I mean even this company Fleetwood was actually known to make these cheaper toys that would be made, sold at like a dollar store or whatever. Right. So that kind of does make sense. But if you looked at these toys on the back, it said American Ninja. It had Dudikoff on the top, nice. even though the likeness is really not that close. But that's what they had. But then my second product. Now, hold, bear with me for a second. When VHS players were introduced in 1975, the average VCR cost was like $1,000 to $1,400. All right. But in 1985, all those prices fell significantly and they dropped 15% by the summer of 85 and by year's end you could typically find a vcr somewhere between 150 to 300 bucks so that's 350 dollars on the low end 700 dollars on the high end in 2019 so that's not too bad and i'm only bringing this up because to point out the popularity of rentals and vhs sales at the time in 1985 1985 was the year that all these things were starting to blow off and get more affordable and people were gobbling them up so let me get to it now. You know, right around June 1985, roughly seven months after it was released to theaters, Thorn EMI and HBO Home Video released The Terminator on VHS and Beta, immediately catapulting it over uh, Star Trek Three and Gone with the Wind. If you look at any top 10 video cassette uh, list from the 80s, Gone with the Wind's always in the top 10. A lot of times, if it's a slow month, it was number one, but Terminator overtook it. Uh, it had a price tag of $80, which would wow. be $191 in 2019. Uh, but even that being said, the Terminator became the top dog in the industry for rentals and sales. Wow. Okay. Wow, that's a fantastic pick. I like that. Good one. Uh, a lot to consider here, because uh, we were kind of sticking in the toy realm, and I kind of 
had my my thing and then you threw me you, you got <laughs> me with this other hot product um i'm gonna start with the 90s and i'm going to say that the uh, batman forever i remember those figures and i remember them being because batman forever was so stylistically different because switching over obviously from tim burton and having this whole thing you had a whole new realm of toys uh and like you said the models were different and all this kind of different uh stuff and i remember that very well and of course everybody remembers power rangers their iconic toys their uh their 30 minute long commercials for said toys airing uh <laughs> constantly um my only bang against it it i barely clock it in as a quote unquote action movie as i consider it more of a kids family movie but it's got kicking and sparks when you hit each other so i i it, 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 it <laughs> clocks action. it clocks in but it's kind of teetering on the edge um you go to the other side and the american ninja one i was almost said american ninja warrior because that's just where my brain was going but the american ninja toy okay cool it hits my heartstrings because of joe uh, i remember american ninja the movie very well i don't remember the toys at all but the um the whole reason that it would be a collectible now is because they just didn't make very many of them i think that the the hotness in comparison of toys between the 80s and the 90s there's no comparison uh that definitely the 90s oh there was yeah there was way yeah more and that's the just and that's just the way because they learned how to market them then and that's kind of a disadvantage but tough but fair here uh then we start talking about yeah like vhs was a huge thing and i remember actually i heard very recently a story um on another podcast of somebody like borrowing money from everybody so they could get a terminator vhs uh wow. and like they were borrowing money off their sister and saving up their allowance and doing all this stuff to buy it as opposed to rent it or wait to buy it used or any of those different things and they talked about wearing it out so vhs I, it blows my mind still i can't wrap my head around a vhs costing that much money when you can get it for like negative 30 dollars <laughs> now uh unless it's one of the big puffy white uh disney like disney classics where those ones still have some collector's value uh so where i am going to lean towards is just overall hotness and i think while terminator has definitely was a very popular product and kind of helped revolutionize vhs as a viable home video thing i have to go with what people were just piling into stores to buy and i would lean towards the 90s with the batman and the power rangers figures oh i could see that as soon as you said power rangers i i just knew and doing the research for this i knew the licensing was still kind of at its infancy in 85 that's why you didn't see a whole lot of crazy releases like in the 90s Everything had a toy. Matter of fact, yesterday I bought a freaking Stargate Kurt Russell from 92 or some shit like that. <laughs> wow. Still in the package. That's awesome. So, like, you're going to get these movies that were, and everything had a toy line. Mm -hmm. Alien, everything. So, yeah, I, I knew there was going to go that route. The only caveat, Mark, why the fuck did you go with that round one? Oh, man, that's a round two banger. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, was, I was really worried. With uh, 80s and action, because I do remember there were some really great toys, but I, I wasn't sure if that was 85 or later in the 80s, but I, I think you were right about like what you were just saying. With the 80s, it, the licensing really hadn't come into play yet, and there were so many companies making toys and knockoff toys. It was kind of a different toy scene, and I think that's why some of those 80s ones are still so collectible. Yeah, nobody was able to crack the Star Wars code. It's They kept trying, and they kept trying, and that's why they. Yeah. That's why things like uh, Masters of the Universe and all these different things kind of came into the realm, because nobody was figuring out how to make toys out of the other movies that came out. They tried and failed miserably time and time again. Just like I did in this round, but off to you again. You get to pick. Where are we going? All right. Let's, uh, you know what? Let's go to news. Action news. Action news. Do -do -do. Action movie news. For news, we each picked one news story. We kind of went with news about action movies that were being made. Okay. So the big news story I found from 1995 
was everybody was abuzz about the production of the new Kevin Costner film, Waterworld. Uh, I did find an article in the Lincoln Star Journal from January 25th, 1995. Now, my story isn't about how great Waterworld is, is going to be. Or isn't. My story is about how horrible the production of the movie was. And that kind of tanked the movie even before the movie came out. Uh, the Lincoln Star Journal reports in uh, January 25th of 1995, the production of the movie had kind of gone off the rails at that point. It had already exceeded its $160 million budget. And of course, this movie went on to be one of the most expensive movies ever made. And at the time the movie was released, it was the most expensive movie ever made. It really didn't profit much more than it cost to make the film. And they had so many production problems during the making of this movie. Uh, when they were in L.A., for most of the later shooting, they had a giant water tank that was put up on the studio. It was a completely closed studio. Nobody had a clue what was going on. There was a lot of speculation with it. And then they were out in Australia for a, wh a while as well, shooting offshore there. And for some reason, they didn't put bathrooms on the giant platform that the actors were on for, you know, 12 hours a day. So they had to bust them, or not bust them, but bust them by boat off to a separate boat just to use the bathroom and then get back on. And just the costs for, to make this movie just were astronomical. You know, Costner was pissing in the water. Well, yeah, that's probably was just an outtake <laughs> from, and they're like, you know what? We're, we're going to put this in the movie because he did just it. Keep yeah, it. Keep, just keep it. Well, fuck it. We'll open the movie with that, man. <laughs> what a fucking turd that movie. I remember all the talk uh, about that movie before it came out. And then I, you know what? Without all those articles that you just read, I don't think enough people would have went and saw the movie. Yeah. Because everyone, I went to see it personally to see what a shit show it was going to be. And I remember we left halfway through because we were bored out of our minds. Um, but yeah, what a piece of garbage. Yeah, I think, what did it cost? Like 250 yeah, it was billed as the road warrior on the water. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, my Dude. God, that's like going to be the most amazing thing. And then with the closed sets and the budget and everyone was expecting this masterpiece and <laughs> miscast costume. Yeah. I remember totally, too, how that I feel like that's one of the first times you actually got a you got real movie news like that. You would hear about a movie being in production or something right. like that, but it predates internet world of, you know, you know, eight years in advance of a movie coming out and you hear every last little thing and you hear about reshoots. And basically now finding out that a movie had reshoots is the, the thing that sinks a movie like that. And I, I actually compare it yep. to that when they were talking about, um, uh, what was it when they well, actually when uh, Justice League and they went they made the switch from Snyder to um, Whedon at the end there. Uh, another abortion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they just just making that just hearing that news and stuff. I reminded me a lot about uh, Waterworld. And he's like, oh, you're hearing this bad news. That's not good. And it does. It hurts the movies a lot. Yeah. I remember when yeah, the movie came definitely. out hearing all this hype and that actually got me to the theaters to yeah, see this movie me too so i actually bought a ticket to go see Waterworld, and my one big lasting impression and if you've seen the movie a few times you'll understand this i walked out of the theaters craving a cigarette in the worst fucking way ever <laughs> because dennis hopper smokes through the whole movie <laughs> I, I hated how his face looked i can't even look at his face this stupid eye <laughs> Anyhow, what's your second what's your second one we only did one each for news no, we didn't. Two for every round. Oh, I only did one for news. I could only find one. Oh, uh -oh. damn. That, All that's right. That's why I said we only did one in the beginning. I thought that's what we did. All right. So moving on. Uh, let me begin this with uh, my first one. And this sounds like a story that came straight out of 2019, but I guarantee you this is from 1985. And uh, the title of the article is New Rambo Doll Sparks Protest. <laughs> Anti-war activists protested outside the Coleco headquarters to protest Coleco's plans to manufacture a Rambo doll by 1986. And the members of the War Resisters League are calling this International Day Against War Toys. 
And during this protest, 300 similar protests will be held in the U.S., Europe, Australia, and even Joe's own Canada. Wow. Uh, one, <laughs> one protester went on to say, the doll is patterned after a horrendous, violent movie character. And because of that, the character Rambo makes war and killing exciting to children. Well, lo and behold, not only did we get the Coleco Rambo toys in 1986, but we also got the Rambo cartoon called The Force of Freedom. So <laughs> on your stupid protest. Uh, but this one, the second news story I have actually kind of ties to what you were saying earlier. Where Mark was in 1995, we we're starting to get all this news. In 1985, you only saw what came out in magazines, maybe a newspaper every now and then. And that's how we do the research for these. And this comes from a newspaper article. So in this article uh, from October 1985 that began with a complete ass ripping of American Ninja, and I quote, American Ninja is not only, <laughs> hold on, and I quote, American Ninja is not a good movie. It's not a good martial arts movie. And that's because it's shot and edited so quick that everything looks phony. And if you love canon, that's what canon does. Yeah. So the second part of this article is the part that kind of ties in what you're saying. Uh, the article goes on to say that Canon threw out enough like cheap thrills in the movie to make the movie tolerable, blah, blah, blah. But then they mentioned that big things are on the horizon for a not-so-major studio named Canon Films. The studio that's bringing you, and keep in mind this is before these came out, Superman 4, Death Wish 3, Otello, New action movies from Chuck Norris and Sylvester Stallone, not to mention Spider-Man and Captain America. <laughs> Canon was so ahead of their time in 1985 that they almost like lapped themselves yeah. on the track. That's how bad it was. Can you imagine if they did this right and put those movies out correctly? It would have changed the entire landscape of entertainment from where it was to, you know, how everything went. But that's my two stories right there. Oh, that is very cool. I'm a huge Canon fan, so I love hearing about oh, things yeah. like that. Um, it's actually funny that you brought up the Captain America thing because I was actually doing another, I was doing my show, and we were talking about an unmade Roger Corman Captain America that was going to star Jeff Bridges as Captain America. Nice, and yeah. so we were, uh, so it's just, it's funny that you brought that up. Uh, definitely, oh, wow. Uh, I am taking the two stories versus one into account, but also um, I cannot discount the size of this story. I mean, of all those stories, I deeply remember the Waterworld story because it was such a huge. It was just I, again, like we said, it was we never received such uh, such news before. Uh, he, like hearing about all these kind of things, you'd hear more about it like Titanic. Uh, when that came out and stuff like that, uh, very similar. You'd hear about kind of the problems, although I guess that same uh, negative effect didn't carry over to Titanic. Um, but I will say, just in the spirit of the 80s and stuff, I'm kind of discounting the American Ninja aspect of the story. Uh, but just talking about the plans and the um, ambition and the hubris of canon... I love that. And right. then the idea of this being announced as good things to come, knowing what we now know about <laughs> Superman 4 and Death Wish 3. And that's why I picked this out, because like you said, it did start as a review, mm -hmm. but the review just went off the rails quick because it, there's really not much. We all like American Ninja for what it is and what it's not is a great yeah martial arts movie because like you said or like they said in the article it is a lot of flashing around yeah and it's edited really quickly it's just that's what you get from a canon mm -hmm. movie but when you go on to the second portion of that review and they're talking about these movies that haven't been done and we know that like superman 4 is a colossal failure <laughs> of monumental proportions yeah. but at the time in 1985 it didn't come out to 87 you know there's people are excited that this movie is coming out because Superman was in everybody's home for at least three Absolutely. movies. So. And I kind of really liked that 
machine. I've watched the um, the Golden Globus documentaries and all those things. And that is just kind of that is so indicative of them as people where they come out to you and say, this movie's not good. And they're like, no, don't, don't worry about that movie. These movies are coming. <laughs> and it's just them for eternity. And I actually am going to edge out because of that. And it's not so much because of it being canon, but because of the hype machine they were throwing behind it i am leaning towards the 85 here with the canon announcements because hearing about those things hearing another superman a spider-man movie which didn't exist a captain america movie um all these you know and then just throwing out names like chuck norris sylvester stallone and stuff like that i can't imagine being a fan of the genre of action uh and not being just over the moon about that so i am leaning towards oh, yeah. 85 on this one. Oh, and it was really cool what was going on back then because they were doing things that for them not being a huge major motion picture studio they were getting these movies and now at the time in 1985 they started to get like otello was one of the ones that was listed there but then they had like runaway train and these movies that sat for years and years and years and nobody wanted them and they were picking up these movies and what they were doing is they would go to these other markets in other countries like, I don't even fucking know, like uh, Thailand or some shit. I'm just throwing that out there and saying, yeah, you want this Chuck Norris movie? Well, you're also going to carry, you know, I don't know, Otello yeah. as well. And the, and the uh, distributors would go for it because they had to if they wanted the other film. So that's how they were getting their stuff out there. You know, if you saw the documentaries, you just knew they got way too big, too quick yeah. and everything fell yeah, apart. I, I judge this solely on the story itself and not how it turned out because otherwise i think this would go completely the other way just because they were oh. they were calling a disaster in water world and they were like whereas yeah. this other one is like everything's gonna be great so i <laughs> put myself in the place of the person reading the story and going this is amazing news as opposed to what the hell is this? <laughs> can you imagine this was 95 <laughs> and they came out with this when the internet was around yeah. They're like, yeah, those are all dog <laughs> shit. Just don't even see that. No, man, that's a great pick. Even I have to admit that because I actually think for the news round, I think that article is is spot on because there's nothing better than that for a Canon fan are those those predictions. I mean, that's the type of article that in retrospect, you print out, you frame, you stick in the man cave because that's just hilarious. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and this is also 85 where they just paid stallone like a I, oh yeah i forgot what it was it was like 12 million bucks or some yeah. shit to be in two movies or yeah. 25 million but i forgot what exactly what it was but they paid him a ton and everyone in the industry were like you're morons you guys are dumb and you know what if those movies that he released really didn't pan out for them but they're cult classics so yeah well and it just helped establish them and create the legend yeah for sure all right so that ties it up at one apiece man crush you have control of the board. Where are we going? Uh, let's go TV. Listen, this is <laughs> I got to preface the whole thing by saying this. <laughs> Finding an action movie on television from 34 years ago is not an easy task, all right? So full disclosure, these are as close as we can find to being an actual action movie on TV. Now, I looked at hundreds of made-for-TV movies, and it's almost like they don't... Well, at least in the 80s, they did not make straight action movies. It had to have some kind of sci-fi tie-in or, like, family or sports or some shit like that. That's kind of the direction I'm going here, and I'll begin with November 24th, 1985. ABC aired Ewoks, The Battle of Endor. And like I said, sure, it's sci-fi, but it is also action this was the sequel to, and Mark's already looking fucking really <laughs> frustrated. It's the sequel to 1984's Caravan of Courage, which was uh, an Ewok adventure. <laughs> uh, and it was released almost exactly a year earlier on ABC. Um, and there was actually going to be one more made after this, but it just didn't make financial sense. It cost them a lot of money to make these movies. But this one also has Wolf, uh, Wilford Brimley in it, so you know we got that. Kind of cool, George Lucas did say... Uh, he wanted to do the Ewok movies, especially because his daughter, Amanda, was a huge Ewok fan. Uh, but ABC would only do it if he did it as a movie. So they wouldn't do like a short series or whatever. It had to be a movie. And according to George Lucas, 
he wanted to experiment a little with the economics of television. And I think he learned a lot because these two, they weren't flops. They were big at the time. They just didn't have any longevity, but it also helped him figure out how to make another fantasy film that he made next. And of course that was Willow, which we mentioned earlier with uh, Val Kilmer. And that went on to be a cult classic afterwards. And he wouldn't have had that if it wasn't for these Ewok movies. And he actually went on record saying that. Damn. Great pick. Not really speculation. Um, and now my my second pick of this round uh, from November twenty second, nineteen eighty five, uh, we premiered a little David Hasselhoff movie known as. Now nah, you guys, I know you're both looking at me like, oh, it's gonna be fucking Knight Rider. Uh, it's not. <laughs> it's uh, Terror at London Bridge. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I have no clue. This uh, this is a movie about how Jack the Ripper comes back to life in nineteen eighty five. Uh, after moving, and this is true, they moved the London Bridge from London to Lake Havasu. So basically what they did in this movie is they said, after moving the London Bridge to Lake Havasu, a young girl bleeds on a stone that supposedly Jack the Ripper's soul is trapped in. I think that's how it went. And uh, I shit you not, she bleeds on the stone and it releases Jack the Ripper onto Lake Havasu. And uh, Hasselhoff plays Detective Don Gregory, and it's a race to figure out who the murderer is. And of course, he's the, you know, he's the only one that figures out right away that it's Jack the Ripper. Uh, but of course, nobody believes him. Uh, the movie also had Adrian Barbeau in it and wow. a bunch of other people I've never friggin' heard of. But if you think this one sounds amazing, uh, it's actually available on Amazon Prime. Wow. So you can go check that one. Yeah, out. she actually bleeds on the stone by falling on it and breaking her hymen. <laughs> it might have been her that i don't even fucking know I, that's whatever. that's how you draw uh david hasselhoff to a project right you have Ooh. to tell him about that scene ahead of time <laughs> and then he'll run in slow motion to your set <laughs> all right so let's hear it all right what do you got what just just from seeing your face before i can only imagine these are going to be fucking awesome all right for my <laughs> first one i am going with detonator 2 Night Watch. UN agents Mike Graham and Sabrina Carver are sent by their director, Nick Caldwell, to investigate the theft of Rembrandt's painting, The Night Watch. The trail takes them from Amsterdam to Hong Kong and then involves them in not only the art theft, but the forgery. All of this happens in the made-for-TV blockbuster Detonator 2 Night Watch, which aired on the USA Network October 4th, 1995. This film stars Pierce Brosnan, Alexandra Paul, and William Devane. Uh, the movie happens to be a sequel to the 1993 Brosnan film Detonator Death Train. The interesting tidbit about this is it came out just one month before the premiere of another Pierce Brosnan film that also came out in 1995. Volcano? No. 007. This movie might have been a little bit bigger, though. Detonator 2, Night Watch... <laughs> Wait, what was what was the one that came out in the theater? Oh, it was Detonator that came out. In no, the no, theater? no. Made for t- the the other movie that he came out with was that was was Goldeneye. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, <laughs> okay, all right. I was like, wait a minute, did I just go into the Matrix? <laughs> all right, and for my second pick, I have to start off with a little story because this is kind of eerie and spooky, and maybe a little bit of dueling decades fate at the same time. So after we're doing all the research for this episode, I go out, I have to run in the town and do some errands. So I stop by my local Goodwill and I'm searching through all the VHS tapes and I find the exact thing that I had picked for TV less than a half an hour before on VHS. That is fucking crazy. And that is The Adventures of Young Indiana Jones, The Treasure of the Peacock's Eye. Indy is on the trail of a 140-carat diamond that once belonged to Alexander the Great using a map given to him by a dying soldier. This is the 18th film in The Adventures of the Young Indiana Jones. It originally aired on, on January 15th, 1995 on the Family Channel and stars a young Sean Patrick Flannery as the young Indiana Jones. Uh, later retitled The Treasure of the Peacock's Eye, for its release on home video on October 26, 1999. The home video edit is nearly identical to the original broadcast version. 
Although never released as an independent hour-long episodes, the two halves of this film are distinct enough to be considered separate stories. So here it is. I actually have a copy of it that I picked up today. It's in beautiful condition. Uh, and it, they did retitle The Treasure of the Peacock's Eye, Young Indiana Jones. Uh, Made-for-TV movie. Can't go wrong with Indiana Jones and Sean Patrick wow. Flannery. You know what I find amazing about your picks is they're all on, like, these basic cable yeah. channels in 95. That's what I loved about made-for-TV in the 90s is you had TNT, TBS, USA Network, and, well, I guess Family Channel, Hallmark. They were all putting out so much original content. Not all of it was quality, but <laughs> they were putting out content. We'll, we'll put it that far. So, yeah, those are my two picks for Action TV 1995. Wow. That blows my mind. Um, <laughs> I, I tell you, there's some good ones in there and uh, ones I kind of forgotten about even um, the Ewoks thing. I thought you were just crashing through the door and i was just like oh man if this is his first one i can't wait to hear what his second one is oh i and know then, that's what i was thinking i'm and, like oh i'm fucked I was, I was like this is the end i was gonna give you the opportunity to concede before you said yours but um, <laughs> what do you mean my second one had hasselhoff in it fair but i was <laughs> but, but yeah, not they, wilford brimley for christ's sake true. well my yeah that was, my... that was the movie where wicket was diagnosed with diabetes <laughs> And Walker told him he had AIDS. Yeah. What the hell's a yub nub? <laughs> yeah, that one's outstanding. Um, at first, when you said the Ewoks thing, I was actually starting to think you were talking about the animated Ewoks, um, like the the show. I was going to go back to back because that was also yeah. in '85. Well, and the, um, I just didn't want to double dip. I hear you. On the and that one would have hit extra close to home because that was made by a little company uh, called Nelvana, whose parent company is the company I currently work for. So, oh, so it is. It is a oh, Canadian production. That. Small but, world. Uh, all that being said, uh, I then look over uh, to Mark, and Detonator Two was not impressing me until you tied in exactly where it was in the timeline of Pierce Brosnan. And yeah, that it, was the like, interesting thing about this film. That's like one of those things like where it almost happened by accident. Like they shot it and forgot to release it. And then all of a sudden he was James Bond and they just were holding it in their hands going, oh my God. Uh, yeah. And then between that and then you slap me. Uh, so uh, one person slaps me on the right cheek with some George Lucas. And then George Lucas hits me on the left cheek with a little young <laughs> Indiana Jones. And oh man, I, it's hard. Um, I would say. You still didn't say it. Dude, this is Hasselhoff at the It's peak. Hasselhoff in a Lake Havasu Jack the Ripper movie. I'm going to let you stew in that for a little bit while I hand this one to 1995. Oh, that's baloney. It's has, this is Knight Rider Hasselhoff. He's hot, Hotter man. than James Bond? This is... Fuck James Bond. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan's the worst James Bond. But he wasn't then. Of all of them. He was. He would. He wasn't even. J he was just the idea of James Bond, which was everybody's wet dream. Goldeneye, the game, is the best thing that oh, he had going for him because the movies that he was in. Were but again, very garbage. much like I did with the, um, with the news story, the idea of it was so hot that everybody like everybody was like oh my god he's gonna be bond they were so excited oh, about man. him being bond before when then he didn't get to be so i mean the anticipation was there you didn't even have a chance to judge the movie yet so then to go oh my god james bond is also going to be in this tv movie that's pretty uh fantastic i wouldn't say his movies the the bonds that he was in did yeah. well in the box office i just don't no. like him as bond. No, that's I fine he missed he missed it from the remington he should have been as soon as Remington Steele finished and he was going to change over, it shouldn't have been. Even though I like Timothy Dalton, that should have been his time. So going into the 90s, I already thought he was like a bit forgotten. So maybe that brought him back into the uh, grand scheme of yeah. things. I don't know. I hear My you. Opinion. But yeah, it's I, I think that Whatever. the uh, the one to punch on this side between that and then the young Indiana Jones, uh, which was a really hot thing at the time and Sean Patrick Flannery being a part of that. And I, I just, I lean towards that one. And then the, the prop having the prop on hand didn't hurt the, the store, like the storytelling 
probably didn't hurt his chances. <laughs> so yeah, nineteen ninety five for that one. So two to one. All right, two to one, and I have control of the board again. You know what? I'm going to throw a wrench into this whole game. We're going to go with movies next. We always save that for last, but I want to mix it up for this one. So we're going to start off with movies. My first movie, I'm so glad, was uh, in 1995 because it's one of my all-time favorite action movies. I just love this movie. A group of professional bank robbers start to feel the heat from when police find out that they unknowingly leave a clue at their latest heist in the movie Heat. Released December 15th, 1995, written and directed by Michael Mann. This is one of the greatest ensemble cast films of all time, including four Oscar winners, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, John Voight, and Natalie Portman. And then the rest of the cast is filled out nicely with Val Kilmer, Tom Sizemore, Tom Noonan, Ashley Judd, Dennis Haysbert, Hank Azaria, Mackenzie Williamson, Danny Trejo, Henry Rollins, Tone Loke, oh, and Jeremy Piven. So just really an all-star cast. And the action sequence in this movie not only are phenomenal, they're authentic. And in 2002, this, the major scene in the very beginning of the movie of the bank heist, the big shootout, Robbery was shown to the United States Marine recruiters at the MCRD in San Diego as an example of the proper way to retreat while under fire. So not only is it a great action movie, but they use it to train our soldiers how to save lives because it's that accurate. That's my first one is uh, Heat. I was in the Marine Corps. I'm going to go ahead and say that nobody was paying attention. To <laughs> did, you learn, did you learn how that. to talk uh, gonna... like stoically in a diner? with somebody <laughs> yeah for sure you have to meet your enemy in a diner and talk really quietly i'm gonna get you Hua. but you know what she's got a great ass <laughs> <laughs> all right so my second movie entry for action films 1995 after a six-year absence due to legal disputes the fans the world over were yearning for the return of cinema's most beloved action stars, Bond, James Bond. This is the 17th James Bond film and the first to feature Pierce Brosnan. It's the first 007 movie not to take its story from an Ian Fleming novel, but instead the film's namesake would serve as a nod to its creator, named after his Jamaica estate, GoldenEye, was released on November 17th, 1995 in the united states goldeneye earned over 26 million dollars during its opening and engrossed over 106 million in the united states alone the worldwide box office would see bond bring in over 350 million dollars it had the fourth highest worldwide gross of all films in 1995 and was the most successful bond film since moonraker and that's Goldeneye with Pierce Brosnan. We brought it up earlier. It's just a fantastic movie. One of my favorite Bonds. Really relaunched the franchise into a whole new modern era. So Goldeneye and Heat. Those are my top two action films from 1995. All right. At least I take this round to get back into it. <laughs> All right. So being that we're using the uh the subgenre niche of action movies this is really the easiest round to pick obviously it put me in the right direction to find ideas for the other categories as well which is really cool uh that said these two movies need no introduction for any fan of the show probably it doesn't need introduction for anybody but i'm gonna do it anyway uh we used to joke to become a man you had to watch three movies commando predator and rambo before your 13th birthday and then you'd be a man all right and actually i'm i take that back i'm not joking that's a prerequisite to manhood it stops you from tearing up when you scrape your knee right? <laughs> you watch those three movies lo and behold 1985 we get two of these rite of passage movies so that alone should carry some damn merit right here all right so first we get rambo first blood part two Sequel was released May 22nd, 1985, brought in a whopping $300 million worldwide, which is $705 million in 2019. Uh, I imagine that the rental market for this movie was probably insane. Uh, I, I looked it up. It was actually, the for 1986, it was the number six rental 
for uh, VHS. That's not too bad considering it's a rated R movie uh, that was always on HBO. You know, after it came out, it was always on HBO. Uh, and personally, I like this one better than First Blood. He's released from prison now. He gets to go fight in the jungles of Vietnam to save the American POWs. And plus, the big factor for me, in one, he barely gets one kill on screen. You go to two, now he has 70 kills on screen. (laughs) Fucking massive upgrade right there. And my second movie, the second portion of this rite of passage list, of course, is Arnold Schwarzenegger's Commando. It couldn't be Predator because that came out a couple years later. If it was, if we had the trifecta all in '85, the whole game would have blew up. But we have two of them. Uh, Commando was released October fourth, nineteen eighty-five. Took in roughly thirty-five million dollars domestically, which is about eighty-two million dollars in twenty nineteen. I'm a little shocked at how much it brought in, uh, knowing that he just came off of Terminator. That I thought this would be uh, pretty big. But, I mean, it, it made its money. It only cost them $10 million to make this movie. But this is an absolute classic. Probably, I'm not even going to say probably. It is my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger movie of all time. You know, after all, yet John Matrix single-handedly destroys an entire island of uh, thugs. He kills 81 bad guys in this movie and then lays down some of the best one-liners in cinematic wow. history. We might have He's to do a whole tired. episode based around Commando because I'm about to blow your mind. I've seen this movie exactly one time in my life, and I remember zero of it other uh, than Arnold's in it and Alyssa Milano's in it. And there's a use of a, a sports car and a rocket launcher. That's all I know about that movie. You don't even remember steroid Freddie Mercury? That's why you still cry when you scream no. your knee. Oh, you got you to gotta go find him. <laughs> Dude. How do you not remember anything from Commando? I'm I'm reneging your your man card is getting I'm taking it. What? My movies growing up were were my three trifecta was a little different than Nobody, yours. Nobody, I don't care. No, don't it don't mine, matter. It don't matter. At this mine point. was First Blood. You lost it. Predator. I, take, I took your card away. Bloodsport. Ah, uh, God damn it! Yeah, uh, you can't pick First Blood over Second Blood. Yeah, yeah, you uh, can. Yeah, all right. Well, it's quantity it's over blood. quality, right? But <laughs> name an actor he kills in the second movie. Oh, first movie, everybody. David Caruso. Yeah, but everybody wants to kill. David. He doesn't. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, let's start with the '90s. Um, I want to talk about because I mean those were fantastic picks. Uh, the tie-in, of course. Uh, the fact that you were able to tie in two categories by bringing Pierce um, back is really cool. And I will say, because you were talking about movies you had to watch before you were 13, that was the month before my 13th birthday. <laughs> or no, my 14th birthday. Wow. So it was like, we're right there. Uh, that this is the, this is like my formative year, if you will. So, I mean, I totally felt this movie it was one it was kind of the early end of going to the movies by you know with just your friends and that sort of thing i mean we had been before but just like that was kind of the beginning of it uh goldeneye was huge that was my first bond movie in a theater which was a huge thing for me and i do remember i remember that a lot he like you said i mean you do not get better of a cast there is no no more iconic a scene than the the bringing together of De Niro and Pacino and all that. But in the end, we're talking <laughs> action movies and no, nothing is more action movie than the combination of Rambo first blood part two and commando. You don't even need the movies, just the two guys. Yeah. Well that too. I mean, yeah, you don't get more. It's a fucking explosion. Just, and <laughs> Uh, yeah, I and uh, First Blood Part Two also my favorite of the Rambo's. Although I do love in Rambo Four when he juices that guy when he shoots him with that like uh, that onboard uh, truck yeah, from like yeah, point blows blank up. range, and you literally just see wet coming out. Uh, um, oh, you're talking about the new yeah, one, yeah. John Rambo. He takes the fifty cal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and oh, he literally God, just turns it on him, and he's scene. like maybe eight inches away from him when he pulls the trigger, and it's the most disgusting thing. You've ever the seen. funny thing is that that thing that he's using that fifty cal. You can't use that on humans. It's like part of the Geneva Convention. <laughs> that is only for equipment. Well, I, you're, 
military like, like we don't know that sylvester stallone wasn't reading the geneva con- convention as a wish list <laughs> for what he wanted his action movie to be for that one but um yeah i mean it just doesn't get more and and again i mean i i got hair on my chest in the mid 80s from those movies and i was a, i was a four-year-old so it was um uh, while while oh, both shit. combinations could win any dueling decades of any other time, I think because we are talking specifically about action movies, it's just uh, I it, it's just no comparison to me. And so, nineteen eighty five takes this one. Oh, absolutely! I jeez, you I, it, you can't compete with that. It's yeah. such a solid solid round. All right, man, crush, you got the lead, and we're going into the final round. That's music. All right. <sighs> Final round. This is the American Ninja. And I know, I know, he has something. (laughs) He's got something packed in his pocket. That's why he did this. All right. So, 1985. It's such an awesome year, man. And thank you for turning it over to my custody because I wouldn't have found this. Actually, I knew this existed. Uh, It's another movie from my childhood. It springs up in in the action movie genre, but this time it springs up in the music section. And at first, I had zero idea what to research. And I didn't know what would pull up, what the subgenre of music was going to be like. I was like, this is going to be fucking hard. I'm going to get some stupid song, you know, like whatever. But my first pick, we get the second movie I ever saw in a movie theater. Sometime around March 22nd, 1985, when this movie was released, my grandmother and my older sister took me to the movies to see Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. How could I possibly lose this round? Let me let me go on right here. Not only is this an action martial arts flick, but it's got the owner of motherfucking Motown Records behind it. His name is in the goddamn title of the movie. It's amazing. It's a fucking amazing pick. Uh, anyhow, the uh, the soundtrack of this movie was released uh, April first, nineteen eighty five, and it featured El DeBarge's hit song. It'll be the rhythm of the night. Everybody knows it. Uh, and that would be uh, Rhythm of the Night. Uh, it topped out at number three on the Billboard Hot 100. And then, of course, you had other tracks. And it's all going to be from Motown people because it's Barry Gordy. Uh, actually, there was one more single that came out on that from Vanity, uh, Seventh Heaven. That was the second single. Uh, but then you had The Temptations were on this. You had Rockwell, Smokey Robinson, Stevie Wonder, of course, El DeBarge. Uh, Great friggin' album. Great movie. Second movie I ever saw in the movie theater. And it's got Barry Gordy's name in the fucking movie title. I mean, it's... But here, let me tie it all together with Mark's last couple rounds here. So my second pick, this is actually the second time that this made it onto a Dueling Decades episode. And maybe it was one that Joe was on. I don't remember, but it was uh, episode 139. I'll remember. We covered May 1985. And this soundtrack came up. Not too sure if it, we won that round, but I sure as hell remember singing the chorus to the only James Bond song to ever hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100. And that song is none other than Duran Duran's A View to a Kill. Dance into the fire, the fatal kiss is all we need. It's fucking great. <laughs> um, I was talking about my voice, too, not the song. The song is great, too. Uh, but actually, really cool story about this. As the legend goes, Duran Duran was picked to do the song because John Taylor from Duran Duran actually went up to uh, Cubby Broccoli at a party. And of course, Cubby Broccoli is the producer of all the Bond films. And he said to him, when are you going to get someone decent to do one of your theme songs? <laughs> Next thing you know, boom. Wow. That's ballsy seeing as Paul McCartney had done one. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> did it hit number one in the Hot 100? It didn't. Not even Adele's <laughs> Skyfall did. No, that's the fucking crazy part. Of it. Um, but yeah, number one on the Hot 100. So wow. Second song. All right. What on earth comes from the 1995 era? All right. Backstreet Boys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for the first music entry from 1995, we're going to go with the soundtrack. From the movie Mortal Kombat. Let's go with Mortal Kombat, the original motion picture soundtrack. 
This soundtrack was nominated for the Motion Picture Sound Editors USA Golden Reel Award. It won the BMI Film and TV Awards, BMI Film Music Award. The soundtrack went platinum in less than a year and reached number 10 on the Billboard Hot 200 and was included in 2011 in the Guinness World Records Gamers Edition as the most successful video game spinoff soundtrack album. Its sales and popularity followed up immediately with another album, Mortal Kombat, More Kombat. Uh, really, this album had a really great collection of hardcore techno and metal, uh, which was really just a, a music genre that was budding at the time. But we still had staples from the past, such as George Clinton on there. And you got Fear Factory, Typo Negative, KMFDM, Tracy Lords. Also had a song on there, Uriah Saint, and uh, another George Clinton song on there featuring Buckethead, Napalm Death. Just really a solid rockin' album for, you know, a martial arts action film. I don't think you can get much more action-y than that. The only thing that I remember from that is Mortal Kombat! <laughs> and that's why everybody went out and bought that album, just so they could, like, play that in their room or car or whatever. I, I'm not I don't not have the song on my Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My second music pick is a soundtrack that I'm sure a lot of us had. That is Batman Forever, the music from the motion picture released May 23rd, 1995. Only five of the songs are actually featured in the movie, though. The hit signals from the soundtrack include Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me by U2 and Kiss from a Rose by Seal. Both were nominated for the MTV Movie Awards, and Kiss from a Rose also reached number one on the U.S. charts and won three Grammy Awards for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance. The soundtrack features songs by The Flaming Lips, Brandy, Offspring, Method, Method Man, uh, Michael Hutchins of Excess and P.J. Harvey. Uh, the soundtrack was the brainchild of producer Peter McGregor's attempt to make the film's soundtrack feel more pop than previous uh, Batman soundtracks. It was a huge success, selling as almost as many copies as Prince's previous soundtrack from the 89 Batman. So we all know the success of Seal and Kiss from a Rose. Batman Forever, the music from the motion picture, released May 23rd, 1995. But did either one of your movies have Barry Gordy's name in front of it? <laughs> that shit just, just threw a car alarm yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody got the glow and punched their car. <laughs> they just caught a bullet with their teeth. That was just the sound of my dog getting attacked by my cat. It's wonderful things are going on over here. Mortal Kombat! <laughs> Um, I am not doing this for the drama. I have I have not picked a winner yet. These are this is as tough a round as you possibly could have given me for the last round, especially since it's gonna decide a winner. Um wow. Uh start let's start on the 80s. Uh The Last Dragon is everything to me. That movie, I've seen that movie hundreds of times. It's I've I did a commentary episode for it. I Every time I even think of the movie, I go, when you got the glow, flow, got the glow, flow. <laughs> um, a young Ernie Reyes Jr. is in this movie. Yep. Uh, I I remember all the bits, uh, notwithstanding the fact that Vanity and I were born in the same hospital in Niagara Falls, Ontario. Um, wow. That I didn't know till later, so that didn't play into how much I loved the movie. I don't know what's more impressive, the fact that that actually happened or the fact that you know that. I was when I was doing the research for my show, I found out she was born in Niagara Falls and there's only one hospital. So I, so we narrowed it down. It's the same. Where one. did she die? I that I don't remember. The bottom of Niagara Falls. <laughs> I didn't even know she died till like last year. Yeah. I don't know how it, it flew under. I never saw it. All right. Well, you ready? You guys ready for me to yeah. blow your mind for the second time this episode? Prepare. Last Dragon. Seen it. Exactly. One time, and I remember nothing from the movie, much like Commando. Okay. You, need, you guys need to have a long discussion about, I, I think both of those movies, I will come back and just chastise you. That's like a low blow. That's like if yeah. in a boxing match where you, you get the, uh, he already got the warning last round. I think that's a point deduction. 
How is that a point deduction for self-deprecation? Yeah, I'm saying right. it's my fault. I haven't fucking seen these yeah. movies. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm not I'm lessening not... the quality of the films. I'm, yes. I'm lessening the quality of myself, really. No, I, f- I feel I feel where you're coming from, and I am, ju- and the the most judging I'm doing right now is judging you. Um, <laughs> Rightfully so. Oh wow, the Barry Gordy of it all, the Motown of it all. It was a crazy soundtrack for the time. I mean, like they they had to have somebody who was playing a VJ on the thing just so you could cram in as much music as humanly possible into it and then uh to go from there we talk about we've talked about one of our favorite but one of my favorite bonds and then to go to arguably the worst bond of all time with the biggest song oh my god that's so hard and now you're gonna go again you're going into it whoa whoa, whoa. you're you're saying roger moore is the worst no, bond of no, all time? the movie View to a Kill is the worst Bond movie. Oh, of all time. oh, oh, okay. No, right, Roger right, Moore. I love I was Roger like, Wait Moore, a minute. but he was like a billion years old when that movie came out, and it was just yeah, he was lots of decisions. And Grace Jones was in it. I mean, like how many things? Although Dolph Lundgren, you can find him in the background if you're poking around watching that movie. Yeah, because he was dating uh, Grace Jones. I would pay time. anything to see what that looked like. Um, <laughs> 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 just two, just two, wow. just two giants going at each other. It would have looked like WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what kind of WrestleMania you're watching, man. But well, I, I don't know. I always have a weird wish list at the end. Um, when the Mega Powers exploded, in my mind, it was different. Uh, <laughs> uh, but now let's go over to the '95 side, and that Batman Forever soundtrack was gigantic. It is, I, I think, still on a list of just like powerful, like. Um, like powerfully iconic ones especially between uh, kiss from a rose i don't even know that a lot of people that song has transcended being a part of the movie uh that people like a lot of people probably don't even know that that's part of a soundtrack anymore uh hold me throw me kiss me kill me of course uh and bono and the edge also of course did uh they wrote golden eyes theme as well while we're just on top of all that um but oh wow 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 it's like my head and my heart are pulling me in two totally different directions right now. Um, I I need you guys. I need each of you to say something negative about the other guy's picks to try and sway me to you. I'll I'll say this: my songs original to what they were on, "Kiss from a Rose," re-release from '94. Ooh, ouch! Mm. All right. Well, see, my hot products were actually toys that people wanted. They were actually, you know, they were licensed, they were quality, they weren't the equivalent of knockoffs. So, Okay. Okay. (laughs) Way to bring up a round you won four rounds later. Yeah, but I I just won it that bad, you know? We'll just squash that that, that solid one point, you know? I really earned that one. If you would have, if you, like I said, you you kicked your own self in the nuts. Because if you would have held on to that... And left that for the end. You would have killed uh, me. I'm. I didn't I'm think try- it was I'm, that solid. I was worried it, about that one. Yeah, you had Power Ranger. You had fucking Power Rangers. <laughs> I know, but I I had American Ninja. <laughs> well, but that, I, those are toys that couldn't even be sold nowadays. You had Ninja Stars and shit. Yeah. See, I was oh, really, yeah. I was really worried. I was thinking Star Wars, Rambo, all all the merchandising for that. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm. Well, they did have it, but it didn't come out to the year. Right. After. See, I wasn't sure, so. so I was worried. All right, I've made my decision. Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Either way, I was like, if wh- whoever I go with, I'm still going to be mad at myself. I'm going to be. I can't believe you didn't pick the other one. Um. Okay, I think two very important things here. One is that I, I'm. I'll say now, I'm going with 1985. Uh. The number one is having a bond, like knowing how knowing so many iconic bond themes and that being the number, the only number one, the only one to come across when there's more famous people out there singing songs. And especially nowadays when it's maybe even a little bit easy, it may have been a little bit easier to market a song like the fact that even Casino Royales didn't maybe get a higher ranking uh with chris cornell who did an amazing job on that one uh i was astounded when i found out adele's never went number one uh so that is a gigantic thing and then i think that the fact that the movie itself 
of Barry Gordy's Last Dragon was brought to you by such an icon in music. Tips the scales. I thought you were going to say my grandmother. She did bring me. This <laughs> oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should thank, like, thank her all over the place because, yeah, I mean, uh, it's that movie is high so tied in with music no shame on the other side with uh, the mortal Kombat soundtrack is an outstanding thing but again at the very same i can only need it's really kind of like the score uh, a techno score where like one thing you kind of remember i can remember the order in which you hear the guy say the name like kano you can um, <laughs> uh, but that's all i have from that and then uh and the, the Batman Forever. And I think that that little twist of the 94 re-release on top of the fact that so many of the songs weren't actually in the movie are what tipped the scales towards 85. So congratulations wow. for 85. But holy crap, was that close? Wow. I totally missed the fact that you said the 85. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow. For for once, Man Crush doesn't care that he fucking won this one. No reaction. <laughs> he just missed it. <laughs> well, you know what? This, like he's been again, there. if you... If you switched it, if you took, I don't even know what round I would have, sl- I would have slid in there because I don't remember what you had. But if I, you would have made that a two pointer, you would have won. Yeah, but I, I will because that's such a landslide. Yeah, but I will tell you guys though. I mean, you guys did a fantastic job on on some of those rounds, picking some stuff and digging in and finding some things. Obviously, the movies and the music really came for it. Is just like pat, like those were superpower choices coming at each other yeah from both i knew sides i didn't stand it. a chance with movies <laughs> so we always usually save movies because that's the strongest round for the end yeah but i knew i had to uh, to whip it out early <laughs> not that it matters because it's still a two-point round but it, for drama's sake it actually played out really well right I think. yeah um, so good guys yeah um, fucking excellent and i i just want to give uh thanks to brian moreno from uh from our group on facebook this was actually his idea to do an action movie genre, and it was tough. It was tough finding the stuff, and especially things like movie or TV, trying to find an action movie on television that was original or whatever is not very easy. Unless do, you have the USA Network think- or the Family Channel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the eighties, you didn't have. Uh, they weren't putting right. anything out like that. You got fucking Hasselhoff. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Well, congratulations to Rick Mancrush, and thank you to Joe Finley for being the judge for this episode. My pleasure. Mancrush pulling out the very first one-on-one victory we've ever had here on Dueling Decades. Now, if you've missed an episode, you can always subscribe to our shows at DuelingDecades.com. You can subscribe on CastBox and also on iTunes. Please leave us a like and a review as well. We greatly appreciate it. Also, go over to our Facebook.com forward slash Dueling Decades. Join our group, and then you can join the private group. And that's kind of like, you know, peeking behind the beaded curtain. Yeah, you could say whatever you... If you want to go in there, if you have ideas... For anything, throw it at us, or occasionally we'll throw something out and just ask, hey, give us some ideas, and if we like it, we'll just run with it like we did today. So we're going to wrap up this episode here. So until next time, we will bid you a peace, love, light, and a joy. Have a grateful week, everyone. Infirmary Media.